We're glad you've joined us today for Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a brand new series uh, from the Gospel of Luke called By the Finger of God. And today we're going to listen to the second part of a message called God Wants Me to Pray Like That? Yes, he does. Let's go to the text. I look up here for a minute. How many of you would call someone at midnight? There's a few of you. Congratulations for having good friends. Eh? Most of us would not call our friends at midnight, let alone knock on their door, push the doorbell, ding dong. I mean, have you ever had, I don't know, I don't know if I've ever had that happen. If, if my neighbors whom I love knocked on my door, they, I wouldn't even hear it, I'd be asleep. If they rang my doorbell, I would come, I mean, I would, I guess I'd throw, I don't know what I would look like. My hair would be all over the place. I'd be, I'd come out, I'd think the house is on fire. Because we don't do that, do we? Furthermore, if you're in a young family, I know we have many young families here, uh, you would never want to ring their doorbell because you would do what? You wake up the baby. And, and I, I'm a little removed from that now, but I'm not so removed from being a young parent where you spend two hours, rock-a-bye, baby, rock-a-bye, baby, baby, go to sleep, rock-a-bye, baby, now I want some Cheerios, okay, get some Cheerios, rock-a-bye, baby, rock-a-bye, baby, will you please go to sleep, okay? And then you put the baby down, and three minutes later, the phone rings. You'd be ready. You probably shouldn't answer the phone. It's the answer, okay? Right? <laughs> But here is a scenario where this host is stuck between do I go get some bread from my neighbor, wake up him, his dog, his family. And keep in mind, they lived in one-room houses at that time. And they had one bed, typically. So if you wake up one person, you're not only waking up him, his wife, and his kids, and the dog. You might be waking up the whole neighborhood. Now think about the tension here. You ever been in a situation like that where it doesn't matter what I do, it's going to be awkward? That's what we say. Well, it even confirms it here. Look at verse 7 with me. Jesus finishes the question. He says, and, and he, the person from within, will answer within, do not bother me. The door is shut and my children are with me in bed. Thanks for waking them up. I cannot get up and give you anything. That's what we would expect the response to be. I love you, but I don't like you. Get away from me. He says, do not bother me. Do not inconvenience me. Do not irritate me. Do not annoy me. Go away. Now, I want you to picture in your mind with me that young parent I just described. Some of you are that young parent, but you remember back to when you were a young parent if you don't remember right now. And you remember that desperate feel of, I've, I've slept an average of about four hours, and they haven't been four straight, actually. They've been mixed in four hours over the last 24 hours, and I've just got my kids to bed, and you are doing what to wake me up? Imagine that frustrated, tired, weary, crazy face saying, don't bother me. Now, some of us, some of us, when we think of our Heavenly Father, that's kind of who we think we're going to. I don't want to be that person that rocks the boat and says, God, I need something, because he's like running the whole universe. And I don't want to be asking for things that maybe aren't necessary. I'm not sure if it's necessary, but I for sure don't want to rock the boat. Now, that's what we would call 
Well, though we think of it as truth, I would call it a caricature, a caricature. Now, I want to have a little bit of fun with you. We're all a church family here for a moment, so I'll put, put the text kind of on pause for a second. Do you know what a caricature is? Okay, it's like a, um, I'll read it to you. A caricature is a distortion to emphasize certain qualities, right? So you see a drawing, and they focus in on the hair, they focus in on the nose, or they focus in whatever, because they're emphasizing certain things. Now, we love Pastor Brian, but we decided that a little bit of distortion was appropriate as he left. And I told you a couple days, a couple weeks ago that um, as a going away gift, you know, Brian loves his bobbleheads, and so um, we thought it'd be very appropriate to get him a bobblehead, and I'll show you a picture of it. I gave it to him the other day. Uh, we had dinner. There's Pastor <laughs> Brian. Yeah. Here's another picture, as you can see the whole thing. You are loved. Got the little vertical church logo from the softball thing, and so here's Brian when he saw it for the first time. So, uh, oh, that was great. We had a great time with them uh, the other night. Do you want to see how it works? Isn't that great? So, what that is of Brian is a caricature. It's a vastly enlarged head, a little body, and, and we could go on and discuss caricature. Here's the danger in prayer. I begin to carry caricatures of the living God into my prayer. And I begin to think the comparison here is between uh, the person inside the room with the kids. The comparison is between God and that dude in bed saying, go home, get away, don't bother me. And some of us, actually all of us, probably carry some of this distortion into our prayer lives. And you're like, well, Pastor, I, I don't have no problem coming in asking God for things. Well, hear the rest of the message. The truth is we all do. The truth is we all do. And God wants us to get rid of the caricature and embrace who he really is so that we will pray as he wants us to pray. Listen, the content and the attitude or the urgency we have in prayer is often inhibited by this caricature of inconvenience or irritation or annoyance. Now, maybe some of you, your caricature of God is not influenced by Scripture so much as it is by who your personal father was, your human father or your human family. And you would go in and you would say, hey, Dad, I need some money for some softball, for books, for a new pair of shoes, for whatever the case is. And your dad would snap back at you and say, what are you asking me for? Those shoes are plenty good enough. You don't need the newest Nikes. Whatever those are is good enough. Or, and maybe, you, maybe he was a great father, but he just got caught in a bad moment and he would get angry at you or would just get annoyed or just get quiet. And when you think of asking your heavenly father for things, you're inhibited by a God that doesn't exist because he doesn't. And that caricature of what a heavenly father is is what keeps you back and, and, and I don't really think I could ask boldly like Jesus can because, and, and, but the truth is you just don't know your heavenly father like he wants you to know him. 
And as you begin to know him, which is why we're in this text, we begin to see how he wants us to ask. Now, I tell my kids, there's nothing wrong with telling kids no, okay? Sometimes our culture is all about parents saying yes. And if you don't say yes to everything, you're somehow a bad parent. That's not true. But a heavenly father, a healthy father, will say no, but will say it the right way. Or will say wait, or will say yes. But his reasons are always perfect. And our Heavenly Father's reasons are always perfect. I want to go back to the text here for a moment. Look with me at verse 8. This is the summary verse. This is what Jesus is telling us. He says, I tell you, though he, this is the man inside, the person who we are comparing to God or we might compare to God. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his impudence, how many of you, raise your hand if you even know what this word means. Great. We're all going to learn together. He will rise and give him whatever he needs. What is it saying? It's saying he's not going to get up and give him bread because he's his friend. Hey, dude, you're my friend. Be a friend. Cover a friend. Give me some love. Help me out here. He's not helping him because of that. But because of whatever this word impudence means, he is going to give it to him. Okay? And what does that mean? What does that mean in the text? It means a lack of sensitivity to what is proper. Carelessness about good opinion of others. Shamelessness. Impertinence. Either to what one is doing or calling out. In this case, the friend within. It means a shamelessness in disturbing the peace in an appropriate hour. A shameless disturbance. It means disturbing the peace or shamelessness. Shamelessness. What Jesus is telling his disciples to do and what he's telling us to do. Is to have shameless nerve in prayer. Shameless nerve. Jesus wants you to lean in to prayer with shameless nerve. Jesus is telling his disciples to ask with shameless nerve. But here's the thing. When we hear the word shameless, what do we think? I think we as Christians sometimes recoil back from this word shameless like it's sin. Now don't get me wrong. There is a sinful aspect to being shameless. We think of the garden. We think of Adam and Eve. It says when they sinned, they felt shame. And they should have. They were guilty. They were sinful. But what we're talking about here is not something that we have to get over culturally. But in a cultural sense, not a biblical sense, but a cultural sense, many of us are inhibited in our prayer lives, not because it's wrong to be shameless, but because our culture tells us not to do that. Or because our understanding of scripture is skewed. If there was a hashtag for this verse, it would be this. Rock the boat in prayer. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church Columbus. If you're listening to Meeting with God, you're clearly interested in God's word. One of the great joys of my life is seeing people grow together in God's Word on a weekly basis, and these messages are a part of our weekend services. If you don't have a church family, let me invite you to join us this weekend. Our church home is located in Columbus near Route 315 and Henderson Road. Details are available at verticalchurch.life. 
I was thinking about what would I have done? What if I had a friend show up from North Carolina and I had to get food and I went over to Jason and Sheila's house and I, I needed some food? How would I have knocked? Well, there's the, right, the, the knock of, I, I hope that the wife can maybe hear because I know the dude is snoring so loud in there, but if I knock loud enough for him to wake up, I'm waking up everybody. So just the knock, knock, knock. Or then there's the other knock, the, the, the paralyzed knock. You know, you, the person that you see in the movies that comes up to the door and they're about ready to, to knock, but they, but they just can't bring themselves to knock on the door because they know everybody's going to wake up. And so we, but I got to feed the, but I, and they just stuck, paralyzed. Or then there's the, the self-conscious knock, the, you know, if, if you don't, if it's not too much of a bother, and, and if, you know, if, it, if it wouldn't disturb your whole family, and, and I, I don't know what you had planned for tomorrow, but if it wouldn't take all your food, and if, and if, and if, you ever had somebody talk to you like that, right? You're like, if it wouldn't bother you, and if, and if, and I'm so sorry, and if, and if, and I'm just like, you're annoying me by how you're asking, just what are you saying, okay? Tell me, what are you saying? Oh, you want bread? Yes, I have bread, okay? Now, put yourself in the text, how we knock is how we pray. And how you would have knocked in that situation says probably some of how you approach your Heavenly Father. You know, we're like, hey God, if it's your will and, and it won't mess up anything in, in our church and, and if it won't bother your plans for this and we, we pray like we're trying to, I don't know what. That's not the way your Father wants you to pray. So how do we pray? There's a Latin proverb that most of us have heard. It says, fortune favors the, the bold. The person who sticks their neck out, the person that asks too many times, the person we don't like that cuts in line or cuts in traffic, fortune favors the bold. But the truth from this scripture is, God answers the shameless. God answers the shameless. God help me for how many times because I was afraid to ask or didn't take the time to ask. I have not even asked like this, let alone like this. God answers the shameless. Maybe you're asking, does he answer it every time? Are you, are you serious, God, that if I got shameless, if I, if I got aggressive in prayer and I really ask like this, that God's going to answer every? Yes, he will. He'll answer every prayer. You may not get yes every time, but you'll get more yeses. And when he says no, there will be a good reason for it. Or wait. Think about Jesus himself. This may shock us to think of this way, but when Jesus was in the garden and he began to say, Heavenly Father, if you could make this cup or this going to the cross pass from me, what was he really saying there? God, if you could abort the eternal plan for the atonement of fallen human beings, that'd be great. How's that for a pretty big prayer? That'd be messing with all of our theology books. And yet when Jesus heard no, he went to the cross. But Jesus was not afraid to pray big prayers. I want us to take to this contrast here between the neighbor and God. Some of us would think that maybe what God is saying here 
Maybe what God is saying here is that he is kind of cranky, but ask anyways. Is this neighbor who says, go away, don't bother me, don't rock the boat, or don't do that, don't bother me, I don't like being bothered, is that what he's saying? But even though all of that, pray so hard anyways that that, that God will get over his being bothered and he wants to give it to you anyways. Is that what it's saying? Here might be the biggest piece of this message. Our shamelessness in prayer, our shamelessness overcomes not God's reluctance, but our inhibitions. Our shamelessness in prayer and asking big and crying out to God does not overcome God's reluctance. In the text, as we're going to see over the next few weeks, Jesus is not comparing our heavenly father to this father in the story who doesn't want to get up, but will anyways, just because his friend has been so bold. He's actually going to say they're opposite. What Jesus is saying is, you know that your friend would get up and give it to you if you had this level of shamelessness in asking. But your heavenly father is not even bothered by this. Your father isn't in heaven going, gosh, could you slow down a little bit? I'm tired of hearing this. All right, fine. You're bugging me enough. Have it. Your father is not like that. Your father is longing for us to get done. I I compare it to this. Some of us, again, to the caricature thing, some of us view our heavenly father like a a busy uh, businessman who's going all the time. And, you know, if I could just, or maybe the president, and I get in to see him, and he's like, hey, got three minutes. Take a quick picture. Hey, anything you want to take? Oh, you're from Ohio. Great. Well, it's good to meet you. And then somebody moves you right out. And it's like, yeah, I sort of met the president. But he's so busy running the universe and all the things and all the people and all the prayers he's answering and all this stuff. And I, I, just, I, 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 the real picture of your heavenly father is what I think of when I think of when I used to go home uh, from here back to Chicago and my grandparents. And I would come in and I would talk to my grandparents and I would, um, every time we would stop over there, they were always like, oh, come, come, sit down. And, and, and we would start to talk, and they would say, how are things going in Columbus? And, and we've been praying for you, and tell us about how the ministry's going, and, and, and all of this, and just wanting relationship. And then just to keep us here, he'd be like, hey, could I get you some ice cream? And, and then the ice cream men, we were going to keep talking for a little while, and they, they just wanted relationship. They wanted to talk. They wanted to be in conversation. That's how your father thinks of you. So on the one hand, he's saying, reach out with a shameless boldness and ask for, ask boldly. While at the same time, we're going to find out in a couple days, he's saying, come ask anytime. I want to talk to you. And maybe your dad wasn't like that. Maybe your grandpa wasn't like that. But that's who God is. And he welcomes us in to ask boldly. God does not have the attitude of, You again? Really? You? Again. God has the attitude of, you again. You again. It's so good to see you again. Our biblical inhibitions, our passivity, our unbiblical self-sufficiency, our unbiblical self-consciousness, our unbiblical fearfulness, our unbiblical theology is what shamelessness overcomes. I would ask you this question. When was the last time you cried out to God to the point that you felt embarrassed? 
When was the last time you got on your knees and you felt ashamed either because of what you were asking for or the intensity that you were asking it with or the people around you? When was the last time you cried out to God with utter abandon because he's God and he is the one that can bring the answer to this situation? The trip to Barbados was great. Thank you for your prayers. We had the most fruitful ministry we've had yet. God is building a church in there that I think, I'm so excited. It's so exciting to actually see God doing something after we've tried a couple times. But when I was getting about to get on the plane in my week leading up to going to Barbados and getting on that flight, and I had been going hard for about a week, and I, I got to the check-in area, and I was putting my passport in. It didn't seem to be working right. And finally, it spit out this thing saying, you got to go to the clerk. I'm like, all right. So there was a lady I saw over there. I wasn't going to wait in line. I, have, you know, I was about 40, 45 minutes out at this point from the flight, which I thought I had plenty of time. I was carrying a, a, a projector that our church helped get for Barbados so they could have one and was carrying some other stuff for Derek. So I had a huge suitcase. And I walked up to the lady and I said, hey, I'm having a hard time over there. Could you, could you help me figure out how to get this thing checked in? And she types the same thing and she looks at me and she goes, yeah, you're probably not going to make your flight. Uh, you have to check this thing in an hour in advance. I don't know what you're like when you've been going hard a week and you get there and somebody says, yeah, you're 15 minutes late. And I was like, well, I could just carry it on with me. I'll sit on it. I don't, I put it in the bathroom. I don't care. I need to get on that flight. And then I made the mistake of saying I was a pastor. I said, I'm a pastor and I need to do some teaching down there. And we, we, have, we only have a couple days. And, and she just looked at me and said, yeah, sorry, you're not. She said, he said, you could go, but then you'd have to leave your suitcase, and that would be a security risk, and so actually you just can't go. In my mind, I was ready to be shameless. I can carry it with me. I have plenty of time. How is this such a problem? I don't read the small print. I've done this a hundred times. I've been on planes. No, sorry. Would you like me to get you a flight for tomorrow? So I'm calling my wife. Can she come pick it up? I'm calling. I'm and then you just, you hit that brick wall. Okay, in that moment, um, I felt like being shameless. I felt like saying a lot of things. Thankfully, I was shameless in prayer and not shameless to the receptionist lady. But I want you to think for a moment, what happens if in that blue suitcase had been something life-saving for Derek? What if, there, what if my daughter was in Barbados and I was going to try to save her life? Do you think I would have calmly said, sure, go right ahead and sure, put me on the flight for tomorrow? I would have pounded on that table. I would have made a fool out of myself. I would have picked up that thing and thrown it in the trash. I don't care how much it's worth. I would have done whatever it took to get on that flight. You see, that is the attitude. Sometimes we're willing to stop at the counter just because we don't want to make a scene. And God is encouraging us from this text to say, I want you to come to me in prayer and make a scene sometimes. I want you to have some energy. I want you to get on your face and cry out to me. I want you to have an utter shamelessness. I want some energy. Your prayer lives are too passive. Reach out to me. I'm your father of all people. I care about you. Reach out to me in prayer. That's what Jesus is saying to do. He's saying, be like the dude at midnight that asks anyways. Our prayer lives are meant to be defined by bold, nerve, shameless, audacity. Are you willing to disturb the peace in prayer? 
You may have these ways of thinking about prayer and praying the Lord's Prayer and very repetitious and I'm very sweet in prayer and I always talk to God nice. And I think what God is trying to do in us as we go to this text is he's saying, listen, if you want to see my finger in your life, if you want to see people's lives being changed, you're going to have to change the temperature. You're going to have to change the energy. You're going to have to come before me, get on your face, and cry out to me with a little bit of abandon and say, God, I want you to change things. Now, we're going to talk about persistence next week. That's what's coming in the text next. But I find it very interesting at the beginning. Jesus, Jesus says, listen, be shameless. Stop putting all these things outside of God's capacity. Stop putting all these things outside of God's care. Maybe you think you're like, well, God could never forgive this. It's in the Lord's Prayer. God could never, God could never forgive this. He's like, come to me. You want to see? I could forgive that. And you're like, no, but, but, but I'm, I can't provide these needs. I'm such a... Come to me. And Jesus is back. He's saying, come before the Father. Come boldly, as Hebrews says. Come before the Father with whatever's on your heart. And then some. He's your father. He wants to talk to you. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio, located at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Vertical Church is not only passionate about the preaching of God's word, but also praying for God to work in the lives of those in our church, our city, and our world. If you have a prayer request, we would love to pray for you. Please take a moment and head to our website, verticalchurch.life, and visit our prayer wall. There you can leave a prayer request, either publicly or anonymously, and you can know that Vertical Church will be praying for you. As always, we hope to find you here tomorrow at this very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.